Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. Ready? On uh, this episode, we're going to, uh, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, why? I could tell you some of that for a funny intro. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. Ready? On this episode, we're going to uh, discuss the current state of animation, Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, um, kind of how far the medium of animated films has come, and we're also going to uh, include a, a review of uh, Disney's latest film, Big Hero 6. So, Freddie, you've uh, kind of in hardcore research mode over there, so what's going on? Yeah, just, uh, we wanted to do a, do some research on, um, on the history of animation, so I took it all the way back to 1877. Where uh, this uh, French scientist uh, Charles Emile Renaud uh, Renaud 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 yeah French sounds French it's French yeah, yeah. he uh, he created this prax praxinoscope which paired up with this other large scale system called the theater the theater Opitiku in 1888 that he also created and in this it was able to uh, piece together a strip of pictures or images and then project them onto a screen. These are the first uh, animated films ever. But, uh, yeah, there, there were the three. So it was Pave Perio, which was poor Pete. Uh, Le Clown, It Says She Sen, which is the clown and his dogs. And, uh, and Un Bon Bach, which is a good beer, which I thought Un was Un reminds me of that, that uh, Tony Ja movie, the Un Bach, the Thai warrior. Un Bon like which is a good beer. I, again, I'm, I'm not French, so I, I may not be pronouncing this stuff. Even back right. then, they were making Probably movies. Probably I'm not. They were celebrating how great beer was. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the funny thing about it, because this is the longest one. <laughs> Naturally. It was like the first Budweiser commercial. Yeah. This is the longest a one. good beer. At about 50 minutes. With 700 frames, and it, uh, yeah, so I, I thought that was pretty humorous. That the that longest one wow. was, was uh, about a good beer. There's Europeans and their beer, hey, yeah, you, you can't blame them for that. <laughs> even back then, they were, they were like that. Uh, and then the first color film was, uh, was the debut of Thomas Cat in the 1920s, and then the first animated feature, not the, not of course the full length, animated, the first full we'll length of Snow White, yeah, yeah which we'll, we'll get, get into. But the oldest surviving feature-length film, and also the first animated feature, was The Adventures of Prince Ahmed in 1926, which it was, uh, like, the it had the stories of Arabian Nights in it. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, this person, this German filmmaker, Lot Reinier. I'm sure that's <laughs> pristine pronunciation. Yes. <laughs> Uh, he was the one that, that did this, and um, and he used, uh, a lot of people, like, went down on him, because he was... Whoa, 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 hey, never <laughs> <to your> mind. <laughs> not, like, not, <laughs> not, French, not literally, is, is but, like, French? emotionally. Is this a French guy? <laughs> is this another French guy? No, no, it's German. It's oh, German. German okay, I was going to say, because the French, hey, you never know what's going on. But a lot, people, a lot of people uh, went... I'm <laughs> saying now came down. Uh, yeah, they came came down. On I don't know. That's not what's over it. Over over the film <laughs> because well, for one, 
he was German, and a lot of people they they had weird things about German. So the German guy it's like a negative connotation on German. But well, the German guy, well, this was wait, what year was this? 1926. Was it was between the two world wars. Though. Yeah, because Germany was a major player in both of them. Yeah. So that that maybe that was part maybe, of it. Maybe maybe like, people were just starting to try start trouble. And then also, uh, his animations were silhouetted, and he used paper cut. He used paper cut out of, um, he used paper cutouts to, okay. to, to also help in, in the, the animation process. So a lot of people came down on him because he silhouetted, he did paper cutouts, and well, so he, did, just so the fact that he's German, that's, that's, which and that was the guy that made the beer video? No, no, this, beer is, this is the, the person, oh, the, the first dog man. Anim, yeah, the, the oh, sorry. first I had a couple of, listeners should know I've had a couple of glasses of sangria. We had some left over from uh, from Thanksgiving. We had a Thanksgiving too with my wife's family on Saturday, so we had some left over sangria. So we we're like, hey, we need to use this up. So, uh, so if I'm a little more confused than usual, that's probably what's going on. You did a binge drink on sangria. Not exactly, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> not exactly, but yeah, not too far off. <laughs> All right, and uh, this is also innovative because he used a multi-plane camera technique, so which you'll find. We'll find later that Disney also implemented, implemented in a lot of his uh, films, um, like Snow White and uh, Pinocchio and stuff like that. So he also took that technique later. And he, uh, this guy, Latrinya, uh, oh, experimented with wax and sand on the film uh, stock. Well, experiment. He's like, I wonder what happens when I do this. Basically, that might have been how how he silhouetted uh, silhouetted the pictures some somewhat. Okay. By, by using sand and, and stuff. But, um, and then you go into Walt Disney, in, uh, which, uh, 1922 was his first, uh, cartoon, Little Red Riding Hood. And, um, and he, and he, uh, he was originally an advertising cartoonist for this Can Canvas City. Kansas City Advertising Company, mm -hmm. and he uh, combined a lot of animation and live action films. Then it goes into the Leash, Leash Brothers, Walt Disney of course comes back later, and right. the money that he makes off of those uh, little short cartoons is what helps him pay for Snow White, because Snow White was actually oh, a lot of gamble for back in the day especially. Yeah, it, it costs a lot of money. To, just to make Snow White. Right. Um, then it goes to the Fleischer Brothers, which they created uh, Betty Boop, which originally was a long, long-eared puppy dog. You know really? that? Yeah. No. 1930, long-eared puppy dog was the first appearance of Buff Bet Betty Boop. When it was still a girl, I guess. Was a long-eared like female yeah, she puppy. Had, I guess. Yeah. Did she wear like the the like cute little dress and everything, polka dots or whatever. I don't. No, I don't. I don't believe so, but then, but then they changed her into a into woman, the Betty Boop that we know yeah. with the fluttering eyelashes. And yeah. Boop, 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 boop. Well, I wonder. If, Which, I wonder. Do kids today even know who Betty Boop is? Like, do the kid kids that are like teenagers now? They probably have no idea who the hell that is. Probably not. That's that's sad. Yeah. Because even I mean I I know who Betty Boop is, but I wasn't around when the cartoons were. Okay. Yeah, but the whole boop boop doop and and the voice and everything was taken after Helen Kane. But she was, she was like a film noir actress yeah, at the time or something. Yeah, the actress at the time. And, uh, that's a lot of them. They take it off of like, 
like famous celebrities yeah. or whatever, and they like well, like Seth, the mayor in Simpsons was not taken off or something. Uh, or like JFK or like yeah, 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 one of the candidates. Nixon, I think actually. Or Nixon, yeah. I think it was Nixon. And then like Seth MacFarlane has famously said multiple times that Stewie Griffin's voice on Family Guy was actually based on Rex Harrison. The guy from um, Micro Lady and ah, cool. Red on like so the British accent, like, like uptight and upper crust. That's cool because they go like into that. that one episode where he's he's like that. I've grown accustomed to her face. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, yeah, exactly. That's cool. And then uh, Tex Avery worked at Warner Brothers for a little bit, 1935 to the early 40s. A cool thing I saw was that like with the whole Betty Boop thing with Helen Kane, uh, Daffy Duck was named after this baseball player. Dizzy Dean's brother Daffy, wow. so he was he was created from from him, and this this guy Mel Blanc, he did the, the voices to all the classic Bugs Bunny Tune characters. Yep. Yeah, Bugs Bunny, Sylvester the Cat, Porky Pig, Daffy Duck, Speedy Gonzalez. And those are other. those are still like some of the best animated characters yeah. of all time. Exactly, you, you can't compete with Looney Tunes. And then uh, you know Looney Tunes also had like people like Bob Clampett, Chris. Free, Freeland, which also did the Pink Panther, uh, and then later had Chuck Jones in that as well. Nice. But uh, Tex Avery, he eventually broke off and did like uh, from uh, Looney Tunes and did like stuff like Blitz Wolf, which they did like a red. He did like a Red Riding Hood and the Blitz Wolf or the Wolf in that. Yeah. Or no, it was the Three Little Pigs. Oh, okay. And and uh, and he uh, it had like a resemblance to Adolf Hitler. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Holy crap! Uh, but he also did that <laughs> Droopy and uh, yeah and Droopy. <laughs> Going down too. Yeah, and then uh, Walter Lance did uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, which uh, was originally voiced by Mickey Rooney. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't know that. And uh, in 1928 and. Um, also was very, um, he looked very similar to, uh, Mickey Mouse, which was a competitor, of course. Mm -hmm. And then, um, he also, Walter Lance also did Woody Woodpecker. Wasn't Mickey Mouse initially named Mortimer Mouse or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. He was... And Walt Disney, of course, did the original voice of Mickey Mouse, just like Jim Henson did the original voice of Kermit the Frog. It's funny how these creators have become so synonymous with their... You know their their first major creation for which they gave like their heart and soul into. Yeah, exactly. After this, um, it also goes into uh the Snow White. 1937. Yeah, it was 1937, and uh, he used the money. Like I said, he used the money from he did like a, a Three Little Pigs thing, and he did also a Little Red Riding Hood thing, and he used the money from that to pay for this movie. This was the first full-length animated feature, Snow White and the mm-hmm. Seven Dwarves, and it took four years to make. Wow. <laughs> well, in all fairness, it still takes Pixar quite a while to make animated films. Now they really have a much bigger team than they did back in the day. But back in the day, it was like one every two or three years. Well, you had to draw everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You had to draw everything scratch. So, I mean, in, in modern, you know, in modern, um, you know, contemporary comparisons to that, it's still not that bad. Yeah. Considering exactly. there's a lot of work that goes into it. You would think that would be like 15 years making a freaking movie or something crazy. Yeah. I, it's, and that uh, movie's still such a classic. Well, too. you, you, 
like we always used to see like um like you know when you see like a person drawing out like a cartoonist drawing out yeah, somebody like oh man he goes he makes it look so easy he draws it so fast yeah and you don't yeah he has to because it'll take him forever to draw anything if he didn't well every single frame was drawn yeah every single frame is is like 24 shots per frame that's crazy per second yeah so i mean and now there might there might be even more you know the, the whole, well now we're going into cg now, now it's like CGI now, now pretty much all of them are, are here on cg but um but yeah this this took this took four years to make and then it cost $1.5 million. Which must be ridiculous compared to now, how much that, that's probably like, I don't even know. Yeah, but the good thing is that he got his money way back when, uh, this was December, um, the end of, uh, 1937, December, that this came out. Mm -hmm. So, it was 1938's top moneymaker. It took all. It, it, I guess it added into 1938. Right. And it and it. Well, backed, I think it, it, it made a, it, it got eight million dollars in box office. In 1938, holy crap. Yeah, and and he used a multi-plane camera that I later discussed in 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 this film, and he also later used it in several other films, like like I said, Pinocchio and stuff. But this uh, after this it goes into the Disney Golden Age of the 1940s. It's 1940s, 1950s. Mm -hmm. Up to when? Like we have Pinocchio, Dumbo, Bambi, and all that. Yeah, it go. Yeah, it started out with Pinocchio in 1940 and Fantasia, the early 1940s, which Fantasia was the first film to be released on a multi-channel stereo sound format called Fantasound. Well, and that, so movie, that movie's pretty much all about the music, too. That's the thing. Yeah, they put it... They were, like, one of, they were one of the first ones to put, like, the classical music with their own special stereo sound format, which only a few handful of theaters had. Right. Fantasound thing. And it's funny how now a lot of people that, are, that grew up with that movie know those songs because of that movie. Yeah, exactly. That's the funny thing. So it really kind of popularized even more so some of that music. And then uh, it went Dumbo, Bambi, and then it did like stuff like the, the Three Caballeros. And I remember that. Like that. Yeah. And then it goes into the 1950s with Cinderella, and then it goes all the way to Sleeping Beauty. You know, it's all the oh, the classic fairy tale Cinderella. Yeah, the Golden Age and the Sleeping Beauty, 1959. Got it. Uh, then uh, then it goes into uh, Hanna Barbera and all and all their. There's stuff with the Jetsons, Flintstones, Flintstones and uh, and uh, Flintstones. Let me see the Flintstones. I did all my research here. So. Well, what about stuff for the Disney stuff? What about stuff like uh, 101 Dalma Dalmatians and the Jungle Book, like in the 60s? Is that a different era? Of I think that's yeah. That, that, that goes into like the 1960s and. I mean, that goes into uh, the Renaissance, I think, I believe. Because there was a period there, like 60s, 70s, 80s, where they were not making as much money before Little Mermaid really kicked things into gear in 89. And then, yeah, yeah. Um, the Flintstones was based upon the live-action sitcom The Honeymoon Movers. I had a feeling, yeah. It was the first, and it was ABC's first televised uh Color series. The Flintstones one? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was their first television show in color. 
I thought that was I thought that was really cool when I read that. But they're all a lot of people get down on them because it's like crude, low budget animation. But oh, well, I mean, it was also what they were also on a TV running. budget. Back they're in also the day. classic. You can't get down on classic stuff. Yeah. Like they made amazing characters. They you know they had everything from Top Cat to you know Flintstone, Jetson, Yogi Bear. Which they, you know, it's still making money. They're still making. Well, they're still off making movies stuff. off a lot of that. Yeah, Yogi Bear movie was like what, two thousand nine or something. Yeah. The CG one with uh, Sam Aykroyd doing the voice of Yogi. And... Yeah, it's very recent. Yeah. Um, and then it goes into uh, Bill Melendez and the Peanuts animation. Oh man! Speaking uh, of which, since you mentioned that. They have that Peanuts CG movie coming out next year that looks really good and really true to the spirit of the Oh my god, yes. Stuff, which, which makes me very happy because you worry that they would bring Charlie Brown and them into And then bring like fart jokes into it. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, was Charlie Brown texting or something? It totally ruined the like innocence and like purity of those characters. And looks like so far... You think they, they did that with the chipmunks? Yeah, oh yeah, they totally did. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah, the chipmunks rapping, and I love the chipmunks, so I, I'm still like, okay, whatever, I'll let it fly. But the chipmunks, it didn't have not, like the same feeling though as the cartoons. It was not the. They were rapping. Everybody, exactly. I'm like, yeah, they totally. They they ruined it. I I I wish they they had stuck it to a little bit of of the original, like. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a the soft spot for those. Going for was <laughs> Basically, but, I have a soft spot for those movies. I never saw Chipwreck, but for the first one and the sequel, like I, 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 I like them for nostalgic reasons only. What's that? Chipwreck is the third one. I never saw that. Really? One. I didn't yeah. even. I, yeah, didn't know I that missed that one. Yeah, I'm, you're not, <laughs> you're not down. With, you're not down with the chipmunk. No, I didn't even see the squeakle, yeah. to be honest. The yeah, first you one was... Oh, you, you bought it? <laughs> oh, for a while. Yeah, I've had it for a while. Is it? Oh, for like, I bought it for like five bucks. Uh, but still. Like Friday or something. Well, not this year, but like, yeah. 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 Like, yeah, like last year. Like, last, last Friday, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll see it just to. I might borrow from you just yeah, to see they're, it. Yeah, they're, they're, cute, they're cute, so it's more like they get away with a lot because those characters are very endearing just because of the little squeaky voices. And the chipmunks. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. But no, it's, it definitely was not true to the chipmunks that I grew up with in the 80s when they had the. The uh, Simon Theodore, um, Simon Theodore, with that that cartoon back in the day. Um, yeah, so Peanuts looks like they're doing a different purpose. So uh, CBS, they started with the uh, first animated Peanuts special. Was it the Christmas one? Charlie Charlie Brown Christmas, nineteen sixty five. Which I still have to watch now that it's the holiday season. We need to break that That's out. It's funny, like all these years, and it's still a Christmas costume. You know, they they should do. The same thing, verbatim, but CG. That'd be cool. CG. Maybe bring the people, it, maybe the voices from, not the original the voices. Oh, you, you can even use, use the same audio. You can even use the same audio if you wanted to, but you can use, like, the, the voices of, of the people. Like, modernize it, but Yeah, modernize it, but keep it, keep it exactly, don't change, maybe, like, one or two changes. Yeah, you don't, want, don't, don't go changing the whole thing. You don't want Charlie Brown, like, checking his Facebook, he's like, rats, nobody even liked my status. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you—you you would have zero friends probably on Facebook because that's the whole thing about Charlie Brown is that no one wants to be his friend. It'd just be Limus. Instead Limus of his one friend. Instead of his blankie, uh, there's like his iPhone. Like <laughs> keep it close to him. 
a modern version. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's everybody that That's true. people can relate to them. Man. The person that doesn't get any any uh, acknowledgement from every anyone, the person that's 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 addicted to his phone. That's like that's not even like a person. That's like most people. That's though. most people now, yeah. Um, but uh, the uh, there was this jazz musician Vince Guaraldi. Oh yeah. Who uh, he scored the 1965 special and continued to score all the Charlie Brown television specials till wow. till his death. He did it till he till he died in 1976. He was on set like, I want to do this last one for the Great Pumpkin. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, that's such an iconic song too. That Christmas time. Like everybody knows that in the instrumental even. Yeah, and uh, and. Also, um, the the person who did the voices of Snoopy and Woodstock were from the person who the comic the cartoonist the comic Charles Schultz yeah oh wow Charles Schultz he did he did the Snoopy and Woodstock in in, in all of it yeah. I didn't know that that's cool so See, that's did. another that's another like Jim Henson Kermit Walt Disney Mickey thing doing one of his most iconic characters. Because yeah. everybody knows Snoopy. Snoopy's been like the mascot for like products that have nothing to do with me, like just because he's so recognizable. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Then you go on, we go into like stop motion animation, which also can be considered. Oh, that's, right. that's 1977. It's still a lot Star of Star Wars and uh, you know that's not full animation. They used it in the 60s with a little bit with um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And yeah, they did it that too. So they did stop. Uh, Motion animation and well, what was this, the first? this 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 one reference says Phil Tippett. And he did he did uh, Star Wars, he did Return oh, of the Jedi, he did, all, he did all of them. Yeah. He did also Indiana Jones, um, a lot of stuff with Golden Lucas. Child, Howard the Duck, Robocop, Jurassic Park, Willow, Starship Troopers. He did a lot of a lot of uh, different things. And then it goes into Claymation, early Claymation and Gumby. Oh my god, I totally watched Gumby as a kid. Yeah, so, uh, what was the first full-length animated stop-motion film? Uh, the first full-length? Because there, there had to be something before Nightmare Before Christmas. I'm not finding anything on that. Your research, you know, has, I found the, the limitation of your research. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just... Because they haven't remade Gumby for the modern era. Because they're doing, uh, obviously, Peanuts, they did... They're, I think they're doing an all CG version of the Smurfs and they're gonna two live action. They're doing a Popeye one. They're, 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 they're redoing the everything. Smurfs, right? I, that's what I've heard, is that they're doing all like, animated. All animated. I would like better that instead of live action. Yeah, movie. yeah, me too. Especially if you use a similar style to something like some of the Doctor Seuss stuff. Like uh Horton Hears the Who, if you do that similar style of animation for the Smurfs, that could be really fun. Um then you go into Don Bluth, which in the seventies um, he did uh, Disney's Robin Hood, Rescuers, Winnie Pooh, Foxhound, all these uh, different ones. Um, Rockadoodle, he also did. Who did that? Uh, Don Bluth. Oh, yeah, he did. American Tale. American Tale, Dumbelina. Dumbelina, that was your jam back in the yeah, day. Yeah, that was my jam. <laughs> and Rockadoodle. Yeah. And Five Will Goes West. Um, he I did a think, bunch of good he stuff. He didn't do the 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 first one though. I don't think. American Tale? Really? No, I'm not seeing it here. It might have been. Oh like wait, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He did both of them. Like '86 or something. Yeah, he co. He uh, 
Yeah, he was really big in the 80s and the early 90s, and then like right after the Titan AD didn't really do very well. That sort of killed his company. Because I was big into Don Blue stuff. Back yeah, in the day. He, I think he only did the first one. That's what it was. Oh, uh, okay. Spielberg did it the second one without him. Oh, uh, okay. James Stewart. So, yeah, Jimmy Stewart doing the voice of uh, the, the dog sheriff, like Wiley Burp or something, right? Yeah. Like the Wyatt Earp type character. I don't, I don't know what happened. Like, Mary Poppins was in the 60s. Mm-hmm, 64, I believe. And they had, they had a second tier of animated feature films with 101 Dalmatians, 1961, you know, Sword Stone, Jungle Book. Aristocats, Yeah, Aristocats, and uh, and this is all in the Renaissance, and it goes way it goes into the eighties with the Disney animation. Well, I feel like that. I feel like the Renaissance really kicked off with Little Mermaid because that was sort of started a string of movies that were hugely successful, very iconic, with sort of a similar similar formula of having like five or six songs in a movie, having a character like, and then there were like certain earmarks of a very memorable over the top villain, a little animal sidekick. There was always a song of longing, and then the villain had a song. I mean, so you look at Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, Aladdin, uh, even Pocahontas and Hunchback, all the way through to maybe Tarzan. They all sort of fit a similar blend. Tarzan's a little different because the, um, the characters didn't really sing any of the songs. I believe it was just all Phil Collins and they played over it. But like at least through Mulan, like all those sort of fit a pretty specific uh, mold. And that, those were the ones that, you know, I really grew up with. And yeah, that was, that was 1989, too. right? Yeah, that was... It was 1989, and it was, uh, yeah, it was the, the, the most popular and highly successful film. It won two Oscars, uh, Best Score and Best Song. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, it, it, did, uh, it earned $84 million domestically and $211 million worldwide. That's a that's massive for an animated film at that time, especially. I mean, now animated movies come out and make hundreds of millions of dollars, like without any problem. But back in the back in the day, I feel like animated movies had way more of a stigma, where they're, oh, that's for kids, that kind of thing. And yeah. I feel like Little Mermaid was one of those first movies to really break through that. But no, there's stuff here for everybody. Yeah, exactly. It 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 started. That's that's where the, in my opinion, those are like the really really good. Yeah. Like right into like the Renaissance. Um, here when you go, well, maybe not so much the Renaissance, but but you have like it, it breaks off into the Renaissance. It goes into like this new kind of, of animation with mm-hmm. with The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast in 1991. Best one of the first animated film ever nominated for Best Picture. Exactly, exactly, and it won the Best Original Song. Score probably possibly. I don't know if it got score also, but it won at least yeah definitely for Beauty and the Beast. Right. And. Also, it made 146 million and 377 million worldwide, so it beat Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. But it it shows that you can add have more of like a a storyline and and more depth to an animated feature, and yeah. it doesn't have to be appealing just to kids. And and have uh, you know just like instead of appealing just for because that's what animated films were intended to yeah, mainly. Actually. Initially, especially, were to appeal to kids and and their 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 
you know, what they would want to see. But now this adds a story, a, a depth to, to the storyline and, uh, and cre- creates a whole wave of animated films from, and then it goes into Aladdin as well. It's your jam, right? That was my jam. What was your favorite of those early, like, Little Mermaid? Let's say Little Mermaid through, I guess, Tarzan, like, that decade, where Disney was basically on a roll, for the most part, even though I'm less, I'm less of a fan of stuff like Pocahontas. I like, uh, I like Aladdin a lot. I, I went, I couldn't say one. I couldn't say one. I, 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 I wouldn't say Tarzan. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say Tarzan either. I was sort of. Uh, I would. I would probably have like Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, and The Lion King. Okay. That's an incredible. Favorites of, that's an of incredible back to back to back to back yeah. lineup of those four movies like in a row. Yeah. From Disney Animation. All Studios. within like six, five, five years. Yeah, like five years. All within five years, they put four amazing movies. Which the Lion King, you know, come well, on. The Lion King was a record breaker until Finding Nemo, and then Finding Nemo until Shrek 2, and then Shrek 2 until Frozen was the highest grossing anime movie of all time. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there was so much depth to the Lion King, which is the one right the after Lion King Aladdin. is like hardcore. I mean, there's they, some serious. Like, it goes into Shakespeare. There's some shit in there where stuff. like grown ups are like tearing up and stuff. Yeah. Simba and yeah, Would and you say that. that that's one of like the most shocking well, moments to have the first one of the first most shocking moments in animated history? Disney has had a lot of really heavy stuff that's been in their animated films. Like, oh, if you go you back could to say Bambi too. I was gonna say if you go back to Bambi or like even like Dumbo when Dumbo's mom is locked up in that cage and like sticking yeah. her trunk out. I, and so, I mean, they, they've had some, they've been really dark from back in the day. Yeah. That's probably one of the best, like, modern examples of that. Yeah, exactly. But even in, like, even in Frozen, spoiler alert, there's, like, the first ten minutes, the parents are chosen out. I know, I know. That was mostly a facetious <laughs> spoiler alert. But, like, first ten minutes, the, the two main characters' parents are killed in a shipwreck, and, and they're, like, estranged from each other, the two sisters, and it's, like, it's like pretty heavy themes that Disney tackled in the movie. But they finish it off with a nice, nice happy song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want a little snowman. <laughs> well, it starts out happy and then the end's like, you want a snowman. And I'm like so depressed by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to, but there's no snow in Florida. I do with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, uh, The Lion King went to Shakespeare's Hamlet, classical mythology. African folk tales. I, I, the thing I thought was the coolest is that they even had like a, a sense of African um, vibe to the even the music and the score and everything. They, circle they, of life and all that. Circle yeah. of life. It was, it was, yeah. It's like the research that Disney puts into like Bambi, for instance. They put so much. They they watched so many animals. How they moved, oh yeah yeah. How they did so much research, time consuming research. They do a lot of that with their pretty much most of their features. Yeah, yeah, not so much of like the stuff in the early two thousands and stuff like that. Like well, the ones the that nobody <clears throat> the ones that nobody really saw, yeah. like Dinosaur or the Atlantis, and all stuff. Atlantis: The Lost Empire or Treasure Planet. The ones that nobody watched in theaters. Yeah, some of the stuff that's like not. People don't really want to remember. <laughs> yeah, basically. The only the only bright spot you had, like, because Emperor's New Groove was a great movie, very underrated, that didn't didn't do as well in theaters as it should have in 2000. But then, like, after that, from 2001 to, like, 2000 and... 
I'd say like 2000 and 2010 even. Like all of those movies, most of them did not do particularly well in theaters. Lilo and Stitch was a big hit. But like the rest of them, Home on the Range, Brother Bear, Chicken Little, Meet the Robinsons, any of those, like some of them were the later ones, Meet the Robinsons and both, I think were both like critically acclaimed, but none of them really did the kind of box office numbers that Disney was hoping until Tangled came out. Bolt was Disney too? Yeah, Bolt was Uh Disney too. And then The Princess and the Frog, that was our last uh, hand-drawn animated movie to to date. Um, And then Tangled, and then, you know, a couple years later, Wreck-It Ralph and Frozen. Wreck-It Ralph, what I thought was really good. I still need to get that for my collection. Wreck-It Ralph? Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, then it goes into anime. Japanimation. Was that in the 80s? The uh, late 80s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, uh, one of the feeling. The most, it's like a, a Tunamo's cult favorite epic animated adventure is uh, Akira. Oh yeah, that's a classic one. In 1988, one. that's one of the, I'm not like, even the into, popular I'm, ones. I'm not really as, as into anime as I probably should be, but that, even I've heard of Akira. Everybody's heard of Akira. Yeah, and uh, they had, then they started getting into the whole Japanese Walt Disney and doing a uh, you know, animation, and um, over there, and uh, they had bought some of um, their films and stuff for American distribution of oh, cool. studios as well. So they started, they started that whole thing kicked off, and you know, there's there's whole cons on animation, oh, anime, oh for sure, now that that it's, it's, it's not it's, just it's not just Japanese thing anymore. It's like everyone can go and enjoy it now. Yeah, no, it's it's become more and more mainstream. Definitely. And then in the uh, boom in CGI, Toy you know, Story. Yeah, it's uh, 90s. Well, they had my source saw 1991, The Mind's Eye as the first one. That sounds which, like it's a foreign film, perhaps. I've never heard it of that. It's like these. Uh, it's it's like these. It's. I don't know, it's like these, I think they're short videos. Hmm. I don't think they're anything like, like feature length, like um, Toy Story. Because in the early 90s, Disney used CG like a little bit here and there. With the uh, the Stampede sequence yeah, even in the, in some of the Japanese. Well, well a, it was Aladdin, Aladdin too. Time. In Aladdin, the Cave of Wonders. If you look at that movie, that thing does not look like everything else. That, that was done in CG. You know, the Cave of Wonders, the big, um, or something. Yeah. But the first... The 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 Toy Story in 1995 was the complete CGI. Mm-hmm. It was the first complete CGI um, animated feature film, um, starting off Pixar as well. Yeah, you gotta love Pixar. Yeah, and they start going. You know, everyone knows about Toy Story with Woody and Bugs Lightyear. Bugs Lightyear. <clears throat> their then their their uh, run of films has been. Not per, not as perfect as I would like to say, but mostly pretty, mostly solid. Like eighty percent brilliant shit. Yeah. And then like a couple like Cars too or the plane. Like well, Planes is not Pixar. Oh, it's Planes is it's one of Disney's. It's not even Disney Animation Studios. It's like another subset that probably is like they're like for their second tier projects. They're like yeah, Disney Tunes. Disney, Disney Tunes or something. It's a different division that does that. It's, it's like they're like we'll, the, 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 the people in the basement basically like, you're making movies with us please no so Pixar didn't have nothing to do with that so they don't so I don't I don't blame them for that I blame them for Cars 2 and 
Monsters University was a little bit of a disappointment because I mean, it, look was, at, it was kind of entertaining, but it wasn't. Okay, but it wasn't anything to talk talk about. They really. have so many like brilliant films in their in their uh, resume with the three Toy Stories, Wall-E, Up, uh, Monsters Inc, and um, Finding Nemo and Incredibles. Yeah. I mean, they have so many amazing movies in their, in their lineup that it's eventually, you know, it was just a matter of time before they made one that was good, but not great. And that was probably Brave, I would say, was one of the first ones. That Cars and then Brave were like the two that I was like, okay, those are good, but I'm not amazed by it like I have been in the past with them, you know? Yeah. Even Ratatouille is another great one. Yeah, exactly. So, uh. But yeah, they took, they basically took over the 90s, and then DreamWorks came in soon after. DreamWorks came in and they they came out with their ants. Well, that's a good yeah, one too. The, the, it was it's their ants was their second. What was their first one? Their second computer animated feature film. Or no 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 that's that overall it's the second. Oh okay okay. Yeah, it's ants. It's the, the after CGI. Toy Story. Right after Toy Story. And before Bugs Life. 1988. Like the month before Bugs Life came out. Yeah. Same, same, same year and everything. Yeah. And they were all, they're both about insects and, 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 and they're both really good and very different movies actually. So, you know, it works, whatever. Yeah. And, and, uh, it was, the funny thing is that A Bug's Life is, it's, it's kind of off of this, uh, fable called The Ant and the Grasshopper. So imagine oh, okay. if they had named it that instead That's of, terrible terrible. it would, well, Looks yeah, but it also would have it would have been very similar to ants, exactly. Well, they both have ants as the protagonists. Both movies center on ant heroes, like yeah, exactly. subverting the uh, status quo. So, Bugs right. Life was like a Disney Pixar team up, and then while uh, then Disney also uh, they start going to Pocahontas, nineteen ninety five, Hunchback, Hunchback Notre Dame. 1996, Hercules, 1997. Both really good movies that I think people should check out if they haven't already seen. Especially Hunchback is especially noteworthy considering we were talking about how dark Disney gets. There's some heavy shit in that movie. That should have been, I don't even know how they got by with a G rating for that. Well, is for, that for Hercules? For Hunchback. Oh, for Hunchback, Hunchback is oh, yeah. really heavy. There's some like hardcore things in there that like I'm 31 years old and I watched that movie and I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking scary. Yeah, I did that. Do you think it's okay? It didn't do. I mean, there wasn't. You can imagine <laughs> there wasn't a clamoring. There wasn't a clamoring of kids wanting to buy like Quasimodo toys and shit though. So I think we're the only ones. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> but uh, then uh, Nickelodeon did their uh, Rugrats movie. No oh, budget yeah, Rugrats. Um, and then uh, Mulan came out the same year, 1998. Um, and then had Christy Aguilera doing the, the main theme song. Yeah. Uh, Prince of Egypt. Yeah. Which, uh, I love that movie. Which, uh, yeah. 1998 as well. All the same year. So this is, this is, that was the, 98 the was boom. the year that blew up for yeah. CG. It's cause they, well, even Prince of Egypt wasn't even CG. Neither was Moon. Yeah, but mainly DreamWorks and, and, and Disney and Pixar. Right. And stuff. Oh, oh, but things changed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you you get like some of these outside people with uh, Nickelodeon and, and a little bit Paramount. Yeah, Paramount. Yeah, Paramount started getting into the mix a little bit too. And then um, Toy Story two came out. Love it. Tarzan, from Disney. Uh, Warner Brothers puts out the Iron Giant. 
That's a good movie, actually. Brad Bird, who did that, wrote and directed the guy that went on to do Ratatouille and Incredibles and uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, yeah. as far as live action goes. Uh, Sony Pictures put out the Stuart Little animated mouse. Okay, live action CG. Yeah, kind of animation. a mixture of the two. <clears throat> well, if you're going to talk about live action CG animation, big big breakthrough movie for that was Who Framed Roger Rabbit back in 88. Oh, yeah. That was the big, that was the real blowing up of that. Yeah. That and was then, one special achievement and then went everything. Into, yeah, it was all, that whole thing, Frank's, they took uh, archive footage from well, Frank Sinatra. Well, not only that, too, they had, <clears throat> that was like one of the only movies where Disney and Warner Brothers actually worked together, where you have unprecedented things like Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny in a scene together. Yeah. Like, that shit would never happen now. We can't even get freaking Spider-Man in the Avengers. <laughs> so studios are like, fuck you we got to make like, our own That's money. like back in the day when they did uh, Marvel and DC yeah, they, comics. They actually did crossovers, yeah. With crossovers together. I don't think that would happen now. Yeah, I, don't I don't see Tony Stark hanging out with Batman. Yeah, I don't think that would happen anymore. It's... It's getting the com- the market's getting too competitive. Yeah, exactly. For them to uh, to indulge into that, See, this was, it would be it would be amazing. This one see. was this one was my fault. This little Marvel digression. This one was my no, this one's on me. Well, yeah, well, I'm thinking <laughs> of like unlikely team ups. I know, and you know. I, no, well, I, I said know, I, I said it first. Goes to Marvel. Uh, Marvel me too. I was the person who was like, "We're here, we got Spider Man, I'm the Avengers." Oh yeah, yeah. So this is my fault. I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't take much for us to end up talking about Marvel and all that stuff. Yeah, that's true. Um, then it goes to uh, the early 2000s with Emperor New Groove. Technically, starts the yeah. end of the Don Bluth era. Exactly. Which is sad for me here. Uh, yeah, the tiny E, Road El Dorado. Oh, 2001. What did DreamWorks head up with? Shrek. <sighs> Mind blown. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> that was a they big fucked, one. They fucked Disney with that one. That pretty much yeah. is like, ah, oh, damn. Yeah. Plus, well, that was also from um, DreamWorks, which is Jeffrey Katzenberg is one of the big studio heads of DreamWorks, and he used to work for Disney. So there's a lot of speculation that some of the stuff in there about Farquaad's kingdom being a very small world. It's a small world after all. Esque was sort of like subtle jabs at Disney. It was a little like satirical takes on fairy tale characters. Yeah, and all exactly. That. But yeah. they did it. That, that was, that's still such a breakthrough movie. They won a first. They they won the animated feature film. Oscar. The best, yeah. First one. Yeah. The first best animated feature film Oscar winning. Beating uh, Jimmy Neutron and uh, Monsters Inc. I believe that's what that's what the three nominees that year. I remember I was watching that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since uh, Scanner Darkly, also. Oh uh, yeah, then it's CG. It's not exactly, CG. not exactly the same type of movie as Shrek, yeah. but yeah, that's technically. And it's crap, but <laughs> it was just too. Well, I don't know if I'd say it was crap. It was just too. It was too weird. It's kind for of me. like the sky captain in the it, world of tomorrow. It made of, me I don't know why. It's like, very realistic. It was like rotoscoped but... animation. It just like made me feel itchy the whole time. I don't know why. I felt like I was like uh, uh, claustrophobic or something. I was just like I don't know what's wrong, but I can't watch it. Uh, it made me uncomfortable for some yeah. reason. The, the animation style is really different and out there. But I mean, you know, some people are into that, I guess. Yeah, exactly. There goes that one and uh Neutron. Boy Genius with the with the Nickelodeon, yep. Osmosis Jones, uh, Atlantis, 
Lost Empire. That was when Disney was starting to fade out and be replaced by DreamWorks for a few years there. Uh, Monsters, Inc. was also 2001. Disney, not Pixar. (laughs) Yeah, Pixar. Pixar was doing just fine, but Disney was like Brother Bear, Treasure Planet, that kind of thing. And it goes down to Finding Nemo's and uh, 2003, Shark Tale, 2004. It makes it, when you look at like Disney's lineup of movies in the late 2000s, it's pretty... It's pretty obvious why they were like, yeah, we need to buy Pixar because this partnership is going to end at some point. So if we buy them and we become one company, that would be good for us because they, they're bringing all the money in, basically. And then John Lasseter, the guy that directed Toy Story 1 and 2, one of the big creative um, you know, creative minds at Pixar, is now head of all Disney animation. Exactly. So that, 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 and they, I think he's really why their animated films have real, have, um, been revitalized in the last few years with things like Frozen, Wreck-It Ralph, and stuff. Yeah, so it goes, six, it goes all the way to Frozen. No, we're just gonna skip all the monsters because <laughs> we can go all day listing cars and oh, the picture ones. Well, just that every everything. Oh yeah, well yeah, and then well, well, the only thing that is is worth mentioning before we totally skip over everything is that like the late two thousands or no early mid two thousands, Fox starts coming in with things like Ice Age movies. DreamWorks, DreamWorks's Shrek franchise sort of died down and then was replaced, I, I, I guess it's still replaced by Madagascar, which now the Penguins of Madagascar is in theaters, like a spinoff, and there's been three of them, and, and then uh, the Despicable Me franchise, two movies and the Minions spinoff coming out next year, so now it's pretty much every, anybody's game, like you have everybody kind of doing their so thing, which, which is fun because everybody, all the different studios have their, it's funny, their uh, hat in the ring, so to speak. It's funny how Disney was originally a monopoly. Yeah. And and the and, and there was no there was no marketplace. Well, because it was now the the competition became so vast because they see how how well Disney's doing. Right. They were the first ones, of course. So well, now there's all these people are like, hey, we we need to get our hand in that. It was so expected that an animated movie was Disney that people just assumed that movie was Disney, even yeah. if they had no idea. Yeah, exactly. I don't think anybody would assume Despicable Me is Disney now. But, no, because it's but so back in the day, whenever there was an anime movie, it was like, oh, is this, what, what Disney movie is this? You know? It was just, that was what it was. That was animated film, and if you had heard of it, it was probably Disney. Yeah, the next big thing, though, would probably be with Polar Express in 2004. Oh, Mechis. motion capture. Yeah, the motion capture technology was uh, developed, and there's the... It used that the, the first process motion capture because they did some of that with like obviously Lord of the Rings. It was the first that. big one to to do it. Oh well, did they do that in Final Fantasy too? Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within. That was like a couple years before that. Maybe. Final Fantasy because that was two thousand ninety nine. But I don't know if that was really motion capture as much. It was just a cool animation style. But I, don't I know think if it was yeah, I think it was just a realistic animation style. I don't know if it I don't know if it would count as um Pixar oh not Pixar. Um Polar Express was the big breakthrough. It was like a photorealistic uh I guess it's hyper hyper real it's called. Right. Um and And it's like it's just a photorealistic right animation. And I it it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't exactly photo you know, it wasn't exactly the, uh, you know. It wasn't actors from doing Polar it, right? Express. Right. It wasn't like any circus, like the green dots on the terrace or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, 
but then you had Polar Express where they where they uh, they used the performance capture process, um, and they they took actors the, the live performances of actors to to uh, to help in the computer process, um, and uh, you know you you always see like Andy Circus and stuff with those types of things. It's like Guitars Planet of the Apes. Everybody yeah. knows that how much I love that. Yeah. So they had like uh, like. Tom Hanks, for instance, so with the different characters, they put like the, the outfit that's on. A, that's, a, that's a really good movie. Actually. And they tracked his. Uh, I could. Some people have issues with that film as far as his blueprint. Well, some people have issues with that film as far as the animation, how they the, they look sort of dead eyed, and I can understand that. But it's also like it was early. It was early days for that technology. Yeah. So they couldn't make it as realistic or as expressive as they would have liked. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. But if you look at even just the um the other. Robert Zemeckis mocap mo- movies. You look at Beowulf or uh, The Christmas Carol that he did with Jim Carrey. Like those, it gets, gets progressively much better to the point where you know now motion captures like on the Planet of the Apes and and um, you know uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron. I mean, look how amazing the Hulk is in that trailer, or or Ultron himself. It's just it's come such a far away in just the last decade. Yeah, it's it's definitely gone into a whole different. Kind of, uh, I haven't seen The Adventures of Tintin, but I need to check that out. I got to look into it. Another thing that's starting to kick off is like the the, the 3Ds and stuff. Oh, you know, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. 3Ds and all this. I'm not a big fan of it either. either. That's But that's the, the thing that they want to, that a lot of them are doing. Well, it's because they get to jack the ticket price up on three or four dollars. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really consider that under animation. It's just it's not really. It's just an adding in a, It's just adding another dimension to, to the animation. animation. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, Plus, I think between the two of us, I think we're both much bigger fans of IMAX and the whole, that whole experience versus 3D. Yeah. As far as I mean, as far as we're since we're touching on alternative theatrical experiences, you see something like Interstellar or Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol or The Dark Knight Rises in IMAX. Forget it. 3D is it's more of a gimmick, and I, I know it's just, I feel like I've been hearing more and more about movies that are coming out in 3D that are not doing as well in the 3D format as the studios would like, but I feel like that fad has started fading out, out, back out again. Well, because that's been around since the 50s, with all those like creature movies back in the day, and I feel like every 20 years or so, it kind of comes back, and then people and then people get tired of it and it goes back away, and then, you know, in like another 15 years from now, it'll come back and be big. Yeah, that's true. I have, like, do you think it's the glasses that turn a lot of people off the 3D, or it's just the jacked up ticket price? I don't know. I think it's, I don't know. I don't feel like, I, feel, it's I, I don't really think it's as immersive as people think it is. It's some people, plus some people get nauseous with the different effects and yeah, having things in their face and all that. I don't know. I'm. I, it, it takes me out of the movie more than anything because I feel like I'm like, ooh, look, it came out of the You screen. know what would be really cool if they could fuck with, like, the whole, uh, like, like, um, you know, they, they go into, like, the science of, like, eyes and everything, for instance, and they, like, and they, and they, they're able to figure out a certain process or system or, or machine or whatever that's able to project images in 3D. But you don't have to wear glasses or contacts or anything. You don't have to wear anything. What if, they, what, if you have, what if they have it to the point where you just put on like a visor and then it like communicates with your brain and signals with your brain or something? That sounds dangerous, Big Man. That's like freaking Batman Forever with the, 
the box and that whole kind of thing. Yeah, I don't I don't like the whole like messing with your brain. I like just messing with too many questions. Well, you you know you know how they you know how like uh like all like the the visual puzzles and all that stuff. Right. Where, like it looks like it's moving or it looks like it's uh, coming out of you. Yeah, optical illusion awesome. type stuff. I love those. What if it, well, all it is is it's just tricking your mind, you know? But like for so why why don't they just do like a 3D version of that tricking your mind? You know, like we think it's 3D, but it's not 3D. It looks the same as any other movie. Yeah, look, it it it, it it's 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 2D, and of course it's flat on the screen, but it messes with your eyes, so you believe that it's 3D. That'd be cool. That would be cool. I could like, see it. An optical an optical illusion for a full length feature film. That'd be freaking cool. <laughs> Patent that idea. I don't know about you. Somebody. <laughs> like, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah, what am I going to do with that? The best thing I have done with it is someone buys it off me. <laughs> well, then you can make some money. There you go. You're like, I'm just a guy with a podcast. Who listens to me? Yeah. Uh, oh, we didn't go to Wallace. We didn't go to Wallace and Gromit either. Oh. Uh, Claymation. Yeah. Claymation. Oh, Claymation. Uh, the, their first one was A Grand Day Out in 1989. Yeah. I saw that one. However, I prefer the next one. What is it? Uh, the Wallace and Gromit, The Wrong Trousers? Yeah, that one's much better. I love that one. Yeah. I, that one, and there's, there's also The Curse of Were Rabbit, which is over here. Somewhere, I have that over and here. And Flushed Away. Yeah, Flushed Away was really cute, too. So yeah, there's a lot of good animated movies out there. 2006. Oh, and Chicken Run, too. Chicken it's, Run was the same studio as um, Ardman Features. Yeah. In all association same, with Dreamworks. All the same people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think Flushed Away was also in too. Yeah, good films. I but, think Flushed, yeah, Flushed Away might be, I think, I feel like Flushed Away is actually CG, but it's mimicking the style of their claymation. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I heard. Uh, I thought it was claymation. It, it looks like it is, but that's the beauty of it. Plus, you can't, since we're talking about claymation and stuff, Nightmare Before Christmas. Come on. Oh, yeah. Like, if we're talking about animated films, and I don't say that, I'm like, we're kind of fan of that. <laughs> it's, one of my, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, live action or animated. Yeah, yeah. And then and then you uh, go to Tangle, Toy Story Three, Despicable Me, Train Your Dragon. Plus, then you have other ones. ones like I think it's um, I think it's Leica Features or Animation, and they did the studio or studios maybe Leica Studios, and they did Coraline, Paranorman, and then uh, the Box Trolls, which oh, I still yeah, haven't yeah. seen, but I've heard it's really good. Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting work being done. Different, different forms of anima animation. There's different ones like, like Adventures of Tintin. That's that's uh, motion. That's stop mocap. That's mocap, right? Graphic, yeah. Then there's just straight up CGI. Yeah, there's CG. There's and then anime. there's a combination. Only one that only thing that kind of was me out is that hand drawn is pretty much gone completely. Yeah. Which is sad because that's the kind yeah. that we grew up with. Yeah, exactly. Before Pixar really blew up. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, Pixar okay. I guess just, you were still pretty little when Pixar really blew up, but still. I mean, they should still throw back to it though. Yeah, I think that would be and, neat. like some of like the earlier like there's like their short films in the beginning of Pixar's movies. They should just like throw back with some like, of them at least, or a combination or something. Because I know it takes a while because they got to draw each one by by hand and mm -hmm. stuff and, and put it all together and each you know. 
this several different. Well, what is cool though? So you have to fill in. What is cool is that in some of the most recent Disney uh, movies, like even like Frozen, for example, like they found a way of sort of taking that style that they did hand drawn in, but making it taking it into three dimensions. So it doesn't look quite as jarring. You know, if you took Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast and did that exact same movie, exact same character design, but didn't three dimensions, it wouldn't look that much different from something like like Frozen or like Tangled. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's cool. They're sort of finding a way to marry the two. Yeah. Have you seen uh, Peabody in Sherman? No, I haven't. I know it's on Redbox and stuff. Now. Yeah, I Redbox is. Well, I'm not really, fam- I'm not really too familiar with those characters because those characters have been around before in animated form, like hand drawn back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I've heard of them, but I never really saw much of their stuff. I mean, it's, it's very, it's very creative. And isn't uh, the dog so like the smarter one? The dog's the smarter one. He's like a like. He's just like he's he's brilliant. He does like books and everything. He's is it about Peabody or Sherman? It is it's, it's Peabody. Okay. And he um he decides to adopt a boy because he finds the boy in like a box or something mm-hmm. on the side of the street and he adopts him because you know he he's he's traveled the world. He's he's like a you know master at fencing. You know, he's 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 like the the uh, Renaissance man, so to speak. Renaissance so, dog. Yes, Renaissance dog, <laughs> so to speak. And so um, he decides to adopt this boy and take him under his wing. And he has like this machine called the the Wayback, and they go and they go to you know historical places and and they they go to uh, conundrums. That sounds really cool. But it's 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 yeah, it's really really fun, and it's all it's. I, I know I think you'll like it because you love Back to the Future. You know all this this uh, time travel, time yeah. travel, time fuck type stuff. <laughs> time fuck. What movie? Is, I want to see that movie. Time mind time fuck. fuck. <laughs> you haven't heard of that porn? Time fuck. <laughs> like time cop. Benjamin oh, Franklin has sex with. Benjamin Franklin has sex with a teeny bopper. That's a, I don't wanna know. That's a, that's a little that's a little uh a little sketchy. Well, what um, if, well since we're talking now about modern ones, other than Peabody and Sherman, what have been some of your like in the last I don't know, say the last five years or so, some of your your like top animated films? They don't have to obviously don't have to be Disney or Pixar. Uh, top animated I like Despicable Me too a lot. Better than the first one? I like it in its own way. Did Despicable Me come out in the last five years? Despicable Me, the first one was 2010, I believe, and the other one was like 2013. And I might say Despicable Me, because I might like that one a little bit better, just because it's the original. It has a little more of an arc for Gru. Yeah. That's why I like that one. Even though the second one, I mean, it's, I was really worried that the sequel was going to be terrible, which is why I didn't see it in theaters. I didn't see it until it came on video. And I was like, all right, I'll check this out. I'm a little nervous because the first one seems very self-contained. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was worried about the same thing with Cody with a Chance of Meatballs, which is a, which is a movie I love. Probably of the few of the. Did you see the sequel? Yeah. It's not. I don't really care yeah. for it very much. Yeah, it was such a disappointment. Well, you have you seen the sequel to uh, Train Your Dragon? No, I haven't. I wanted to because I like that one a lot. That's a really good movie. Speaking of Dreamworks, I saw the little um, short film that they had done. Yeah, was that good? It was pretty. It was pretty. Decent. I heard this. I heard the sequel is is amazing. Really? Yeah, I heard the sequel is really good. <clears throat> it got a lot of uh, critical praise when it came out. 
but it's one of those that I meant to get to, but like between, um, between Edge, I think it came out the same weekend as uh, Edge of Tomorrow, and I just never got a chance to see uh, it because of whatever reason. I'm always a little hesitant when it comes to an animation, animated sequel, you know what I mean? Right. Well, all those, all those streets of video Disney movies ruined it for you. Hunchback 2, Pocahontas 2, Cinderella 2, and 3. Yeah. Like really? Yeah. They did have a couple of good sequels. I still, I still don't hate those uh, Aladdin sequels, but I love Aladdin. So uh, Aladdin sequels, the second one was alright. The third one was less than alright. Oh, you don't like King of Thieves? I feel like that's actually a little better than the second one. Uh, I've seen that one less out of the three. That's probably why. Maybe that's why, yeah. Um, what's another good sequel uh, of Disney? Good luck with that one. I'll, I'll, I wouldn't say <laughs> Fox and the Hound. I, I didn't see that. Cool. See, I didn't see all. I haven't seen all of them, but of the ones that I saw. Two, I know what happens, and I'm not pleased, and I'm sure it's not that good. Um, Cinderella. How are you gonna make a sequel to Cinderella? They live happily I mean, ever after. Don't fuck with it. The yeah. only movie they really got away with. What are the sequels that they have? Every name of Disney movie they did a sequel to it. Everyone, <laughs> all of them. They, oh, they all have sequels. The only ones that I did like, I I liked the the two Aladdin sequels. I actually did not hate Return of Neverland. Yeah, that was, was released good. in theaters. Okay. And then the Jungle Book sequel wasn't that bad either, considering it came out like forty years later or whatever. Yeah, I don't think I've seen Book. that one. It was John Goodman did the voice of Baloo because. You're gonna get somebody as the voice of Baloo. Yeah, exactly. Um I think I saw Lady in the Tramp too. No, Scamp's Adventure, or whatever it was called. It wasn't that bad. Lion King I, I wasn't as big a fan. I know Lion King two, two is and, okay. Two and one and a half. I know those people a lot of people like those two movies, but uh, one and a half is less it's, it's less good. It's just like it's, it's more not, like Sketches. It's like, Two is good. One yeah. and a half is well, kind of stupid because it was basically like this is what just, was happening while this other thing was happening. Yeah, and like, okay. and, 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 and what's the other Timon. Timon, and then just like looking at a film, being like, "Ah, oh, okay, then this is what happened here." This is yeah. what we were doing while the circle of life thing was happening. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's, like, okay, it's, thanks for sharing. You, know, you, you had to tell me then between spaces. Exactly. But it, it's just basically just a to make in. money. Yeah. Well, because that was like their biggest hit. For a long time until Frozen, basically. And I'm talking Disney animation, not Pixar, not anything else. That was the biggest Disney, price hit, Disney yeah. animated studios release. So that was until Frozen. Back on, yeah. So they were like, hey, I don't know what these are. Have they made a Beauty? Oh, yeah, they did make a Beauty and the Beast. They have the Enchanted, whatever, Christmas or something. And yeah. then they have something else, the Bell, I don't know. But now, uh, I, I don't know. In the last five years, I couldn't really. Uh, oh, I know one you love. What is it? Are you ready for this? What? Rise of the Guardians. Oh, yeah, that one's good. Uh, but uh, I would honestly put um, Big Hero. Big Hero 6? That's a nice, nice that, segue. I like it. I would put that as one of my favorites in the past five years. All right. Well, let's transition into our review of Big Hero 6, then. That's perfect. That's a perfect uh, way to segue into that. So Big Hero 6, um, Walt Disney Animation Studios' latest release, based loosely on the Marvel comic of the same name, I like the fact that now that Disney owns Marvel, they're they're sort of able to access that library, even things that would never make it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because there's so many characters and titles to go into, but you know they're able to do something totally different with it. And now you know Big Hero Six is going to spawn a sequel and probably probably a TV show and a whole line of toys. Because after seeing that, who's not going to want a Baymax? Seriously. Yeah, seriously. Um. So we reviewed uh. 
reviewed Beer Big Hero 6 for the website, I give it a three and a half out of five, which is which is a solid rating. Uh, I didn't. I feel I had some plot issues with some of the the film, but overall, I felt like it had a really solid um, main character and hero, and of course Baymax. Very witty writing and fun action sequences, and some really actually um, tangibly dramatic moments, which I you know we can get into. Or just to throw it out now, might as well. Um, there will probably be spoilers in this discussion, so. Um, what what are some of your what's some of your beef with with Big Hero Six? I felt like some of the plot wasn't particularly well developed. Like the 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 explosion that ends up killing the hero's brother early on. Um, the way that that's revealed, who was behind it, and his ultimate plan, and all the other stuff going on. It's like you think it because they think it's one villain. They think it's one guy is the villain. And ends up being another, but it turns out that the first, the one that they suspected has this whole other plan going on. It's not really well developed. I mean, you literally, the best they can do as far as exposition is like having a security monitor or showing us the whole scene all over again. I thought it was pretty clear. I know, but it wasn't very interesting. It wasn't he very creative. He faked his death. I, I guess, but he faked his death to steal the technology. The technology. The nanobots. Which, by the way, those nanobots are fucking awesome. Yeah. That uh, that was really visual. Okay, let let me just say, visually this movie was immaculate. Like everything visually was really stunning. Yeah. Exactly. And the action sequences and the character design that was all great. Was I had some issues with the story and like and stuff like we're getting into now. But as far as visually, the the animators did a tremendous job. So just to throw that out there, I have no any I have no problems with anything regarding the design of anything. And I, I believe I mentioned that somewhere in the review. No, but. He stole the technology, right? So he could wreak vengeance on um, his former colleague that he used to work with because he lost his daughter. Mm-hmm. Which nobody, action. which nobody cares about. Nobody even knew about the daughter until after the fact. They didn't establish that. They should have well, at least they... because then we actually give a shit. <laughs> like if they had explained, well, they're just showing his motive. I know, but I, just, can't, but I wasn't emotionally connected just, to any of his stuff. I wasn't emotionally connected well, to any of his stuff. you don't have to be emotionally connected Well, I should be stuff. a little bit emotionally connected to the main... Why, he's the villain. Why should you be emotionally film? connected? Because it makes it more complicated and more interesting. Well, yeah, and, but that's the stuff that doesn't plus really... Plus, the other major issue I had is that four out of the six heroes of the big hero six, you didn't really know very well. Like, they were just sort of there, and, like, one was the big black guy who was, like, scared of stuff. Yeah, well, was, like, you know, the, slasher the second type. one. Well, yes, but the second one will probably be a much better movie, then. Um, but the stuff with Hero, Hero I liked a lot. His aunt, the way that they, the dynamic was with the two of them. Baymax is, like, my, my boy now. I want to get Baymax to hang out somewhere right next to my Dave Buck Marshmallow Man up here <laughs> from the original Ghostbusters line of toys. But Baymax was, was really cute, very endearing. Uh, also pretty badass at points. Yeah. Plus, I've been I've been obsessed since we saw that movie. I've been obsessed with the the fist bump scene where Baymax has been throughout the movie. Baymax is trying to do the fist bump, uh-huh. and Hero's like they bump their fists together. He's like blowing his, the fist back, and then and then Baymax is like la 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> I've been obsessed with that. That's that is super adorable, and they they milk that. That joke a few times throughout the movie. Yeah, exactly. And it got a lot of play every single time they did it from the audience that we saw it with. Yeah, exactly. 
I, I I thought it was I thought it was really good. I thought it was good. I thought it was solid start to what will probably be a, an increasingly better franchise. Maybe maybe there was a lot to pick up from. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they had to yeah. establish the storyline. And I guess that was my issue with it. It's with with the Baymax and all this stuff. It was an origin, and this is why most superhero movies, the first one, a lot of times, with the rare exception being probably. Probably the Iron Man movies, but for most part, a lot of superhero franchises, the first one is the weakest one, because you spend the whole movie being like, this is this dude, these are the powers, now he has these powers, yay, he can do stuff, and then sequels where he actually gets to do stuff, really. Yeah, exactly. But they so want to actually have answer. stuff happen. It's like the way. difference between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Batman Begins is an amazing movie, I can, I can see solid where... in its own right, but in the sequel, it's like, you can jump right into the story without having to explain anything. I understand where you're coming from with how it seemed like it was a little rushed with the the team coming together. Yeah. But they but they established like all the uh, inventions that they were using. Yeah, that's already. true. They do that. And and um and they were trying to help him and everything. And so and well, the kids it seemed a little sudden. And they, there wasn't that much character development on their case. It was a lot. It was mainly a, a, around you know hero and all stuff. Right. But um, it was all about here on Baymax. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I mean, they they can just go into that in the sequel. That's true. Yeah, yeah I mean, the stuff with here on Baymax was really the emotional thrust of the film, because Baymax was essentially a surrogate for that whole emotional connection Hero had with his brother. Um, but I think my my in I, what I we did have of those other characters was interesting. And I guess that was my frustration. Like, I want to know more about these guys. They're just kind of like skirting over them a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, but the the post credit scene was really cute uh, with the Stanley cameo. And I'm sure I'm whether and I'm curious whether or not anything with um, that character Fred and like his whole like little uh, back cave, for lack of a better term, yeah. back there. If that'll play into the sequel, and he'll end up being like. You know, supplying a lot of the technology or like some of the resources well, for the he, team. He's the one that owns all that's the, true. their inventions, anyways. Well, he's, yeah. He's he just he, he's like I the mean, Tony Stark. He's the benefactor for the team. It seems like. Well, he's not even smart. <laughs> well, I know, but he's got money. He's yeah, got. He just he's has fun. He's things. just yeah. He does have a lot of money and stuff. So he he just bought the lab, and now they they have all the inventions. And yeah, he was he, just, he was he just them, yeah. He was probably the most colorful of those four that there were as well as. Well, he was a comedic really exactly. Exactly. But, but any uh, names in that? Like big top? As far as the voices? Yeah, as far as voices. Um, I believe Jamie Chung did one of the characters, and what did she do? She's been she was in um she was the new Miho for Sin City of the Killforce. She's been in other things. Oh, okay, I see. Uh oh, your your buddy was Wasabi, the the black guy. Yeah. You know who this is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Damon yeah, Wayans yeah, Jr. Damon Wayans Jr. You're your buddy the, from Let's Be Cops and uh, I'm the one that I figured it out just by hearing his voice right off the bat. Yeah. You go, oh, I had no idea. I was like, yeah, I, I figured it was him. And then uh, I, I, some voices you could just tell. Like, Genesis Rodriguez was Honey Lemon, who's the, I think, was the tall one who kept saying, uh, who kept saying Hero. What was the, the Bubbles, I think? Yeah, yeah, with the purse with the bubbles or something. Yeah, she, she was do? she was in um, Genesis Rodriguez was in Tusk. She was uh, the girlfriend. Oh, okay. Yeah, Justin Long's girlfriend. 
And then Scott Adsit was Baymax. I don't know if you've ever seen 30 Rock. That was a great show. That's the, not to, to uh, segue off of the main topic, but if anybody hasn't seen 30 Rock and you have a Netflix account, you should be ashamed of yourself because that's a great freaking show. <laughs> that's a, it's hilarious. If you have any interest in in like offbeat sitcoms or that have anything to do with like the industry and, and television and Hollywood and uh, and, and like Tina Fey in any way, shape, or form. Do you think people like uh, like Walt Disney and and all these uh, people like uh, Blue Sky, Don Bluth, Don Blank. Bluth? Do you think Do you think any of them would ever think that they would have to draw stuff? I don't think in they would even to, in order to create animation. I don't even think that was. I don't even think they could have imagined that at that point. Yeah. In the twenties and thirties and such. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's crazy. Well, there were computers weren't even officially. No, computers not even officially. Unofficially, they weren't around yeah, at all. In the twenty yeah, thirties, they, they weren't around. officially invented. They were around. When was the first computer invented? Like the, probably the sixties, maybe seventies. But it was like military only kind of technology until yeah. like what eighties. It's always military only. Yes, released to the. Well, I mean, the the even the internet, which the government had probably a couple of decades before, the internet didn't become like a mainstream thing until. Probably the late nineties, right? Yeah. Where like that's when we started to get internet, and I started to be like, email. What is this? Thing with robots. Man. What am I ever gonna do? remember? With email. What What are we ever? What are we gonna do with this internet? I don't understand the point of it. Now I'm always on the internet. It's like everything's online now. It's, it's crazy. It's hard the to to just uh, do everyday. Just go through your everyday routine without going right. on the internet. You gotta check your email. You gotta do stuff for work. Yeah. School, whatever you gotta do. It's, research, it's all, it's all on there, yeah. It's all on, well, you can Maybe. do research in the library. But. Yeah, but why? <laughs> <laughs> why do research? We have Google. You can just Lexus, Lexus Nexus. It's still research, it's online, and it's, it's legit. <laughs> Through your university. That wraps it up for animation, I, though. I think we did a good, thank you for all the research you put into that. That was really I mean, I was actually pretty fascinated to do research on it because. I, I learned so much stuff of uh, stuff about animation, about how they how they how they just did it, you know, how yeah. they had to paint on the actual film. That's crazy. In scene. order to, you know, it's kind of like didn't they do that in like The Wizard of Oz? They had to actually physically paint the film for the Emerald City to for the Emerald yeah, City yeah. to brighten up. Didn't they do that for Wizard Probably. of Oz? I I think they did something similar to that where they Technicolor had or whatever that thing. Yeah, I don't think they had color film back then. So no, probably not. It was yeah, but I, it was actually very very interesting, and to know how some of the names were, a lot of them are based off of political or you know celebrity, you know most of them are based off of like real life characters. Right. I thought that was I thought that was very interesting when I was doing research. No, that's cool. It was it was, it was actually great for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I benefited a lot from this. I hope yeah. I hope I didn't bore you guys Thanks too much either. <laughs> no, it was interesting. That's pretty much covers everything. I think so. I think covers we'll, all the way we'll from up uh, here. I'm impressed. We were we're on up here recording this, the very beginning of December, pretty much, and it's been less than a month since our last one. So, let's try and see if we can stay within a month every every time we do this. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I think next podcast we should do a Christmas special. Christmas special? It depends. We have to record it before Christmas and get it up before yeah. Christmas. Oh, I didn't say it. We, I didn't say we can't. <laughs> I just said it's, we're going to need to make that happen. Otherwise, it'd be like, oh, I, it's January 17th, and this is our Christmas episode. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. 
And Happy New Year's, guys. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. And, and of... almost Easter. Well, happy uh, Easter. There's no Christmas movies coming out. We could just maybe do research on Christmas. Oh, know. geez. <laughs> there's no bad no again. There's no stopping me, people. <laughs> Christmas was founded in 1905. <laughs> and really, Santa Claus was based off of old Mr. Wilkins, who went down to the old oil refinery every day. And handed out candies to the little kids. <laughs> he had a he had a nice gray beard. It wasn't white back then. <laughs> because of the soot in the air and the pollution. But he had such a <laughs> he had such a, a, a fan, he was such a fan of Dulces. So they always Duce. thought of the sweets. Oh oh <laughs> So they always thought of him that his favorite uh Food item of choice was cookies. And what better to wash down cookies than milk? <laughs> Bam! This is blew my mind. You can read all our uh, reviews and features, as well as checking out our previous podcast episodes on crookedtable.com. You want to reach me on Twitter? I'm at, at crookedtable. And uh, what, what was the, the name of that website? Uh, here you go again. Crookedtable.com. C R O O K E D T A B L E.com. Hey, this. The sangria is worn off. <laughs> yeah. It almost kind of rhymes. spell again. C-R-O-O-D-C-R-O-O-K-E-D. That'll be our jingle. I'm at Freddy underscore Yanez. Yanez with a Y-A-N-I-Z. Yeah. And, yeah, follow me on Twitter, and you, I have a Facebook account, too, if you're hot, just to really... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, definitely check out check out the Crooked Table Facebook page. Um, check out the site, let us know what you guys think, if we suck, if we're... if these guys are annoying. If, uh, if you want us... To, what do you want us to talk about? Give us suggestions, thoughts, feedback, we're totally open to all that. As you know from earlier episodes, this is constantly evolving. The show, we're sort of finding our footing at... Hopefully doing a better job at it. Let us know. But, um, yeah. Thanks, guys. Roll credits. Welcome back to the encore segment. What's up, folks? Can I get an encore? Encore. So, uh, those of you that haven't listened to this podcast before, this is the segment where Freddie and I just kind of shoot the shit. Tell you about something cool that we've been checking out. <clears throat> Do you want to go first? Or you want me to start it off? Oh, I'll start first. Okay. Well, once this little girl gets out of here, Freddie can start talking. Okay. I just want to talk about. Okay. There's this show that I like a lot, and not not too many people watch it. Um, Ancient Sushi <laughs> <laughs> Which one is it? Because I can relate to that feeling a lot. <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh, Impractical Jokers. Impractical okay. Jokers. Is that I've I've been a fan since season two. I think you were a fan since season one, huh? Maybe season one. I was fans since season one. We'll just say that. And uh, and I've noticed that a lot of people don't watch it. I ask. People all the time, oh, do you know that show? Well, because it's on a network that nobody's heard of. No, people know that network. Okay, what's the network? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> True TV. 
Okay. And uh, it's normally on at, uh, well, they change the time a lot, but it's normally on at like 9.30. Oh, okay. So um, they're coming back in July, or January. They're coming back in January. <laughs> July, that's quite a long wait. Well, the, the, funny thing is, the funny thing is that they just ended their show. They just ended the show like two months ago. And they're coming back in January for a whole other season. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they're on tours in between. And, they, and they, they, they're doing like this documentary. Well, what, well, you need to explain to the listeners. Like, oh, what the what show the is. What the hell is the show? Oh, yeah. Well, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, basically like um, it's kind of like a hidden camera show. Um, it is a hidden camera show. <laughs> with uh, some, some, scripted, some scripted jokes and stuff like that that they have to tell. Basically, it's four friends that have been friends since uh, high school, and they've known each other since high school, and they get each other to say and do weird shit to strangers on the street, and they put them in different scenarios, like in, they work in a deli shop, or they work in you know a kids department, or an arts and crafts store, and they, and they have to do and say things, and if they don't do it, they, they lose. And at the end, they, they tally up who has lost the most time. So they do like two or three segments per per show. Um, and then whoever lost gets uh, gets like this thing that they have to do. Could be saying a toast for a wedding that the, the friends have written. That it's like a really, really bad toast. Or it could be, um, you know, just diving out of an airplane or something like that. So it's uh, the the punishments get really creative and clever, and it, it goes it goes back to like the heart of of comedy, you know, and, and it's in its true nature like with slaps it, it goes mm-hmm. with slapsticks, and it also goes with like some puns sometimes, and and it's just uh they they also they're great personalities as well so. It just it all fits, and the fact that they're friends and they they know each other so well, they can yeah, get really a, they, can, they can get, get a, a they can get a, a long you know they can go a lot farther right with uh with their with their the things that they say and the punishments that they do. So it's it's a uh, it's a really fun show, and I recommend it, and you guys should see it. True TV, Practical Jokers, it's a great show. Uh, I'm gonna go with the. Uh... Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu's Birdman, which is uh, one of the big Oscar movies right now. It stars Michael Keaton as sort of a washed-up um, actor who's staging a comeback um, by writing, directing, and starring in his own Broadway play. And he's having a little bit of a uh, crisis of identity and crisis of conscience, so to speak, as he's haunted by the ghost of... Um, the superhero that he used to play on the big screen. So it's very meta referencing as far as, you know, Michael Keaton played Batman. And two Have movies you seen it? Yeah. Well, yeah. What, Birdman? Yeah. Why would I be talking about it if I didn't see it? I'm not going to recommend I'm not, not going to steer listeners in the wrong way and be like, hey, check this out. It hurts good. I don't know. That was good. No, it was good. I gave it, we reviewed it on crookedtable.com. Um, we gave it four and a half out of five. Really interesting. The whole thing is, is filmed to simulate one take. So it follows the people backstage, and then the camera goes up, and then it comes back down, and it's a different scene. Um, it also co-stars Edward Norton, Emma Stone, Zach Galifianakis, uh, Naomi Watts, Amy Ryan, uh, and, uh, and several others. And um, it works on a lot of levels. It's sort of a black comedy at times, sort of a tragic drama at others. 
uh, definitely challenges the viewers and not one of those Hollywood films that will leave everything tied up in a bow. It'll be one of those that you'll want to go and like have a conversation about afterwards. Be like, well, what did you think he meant by this? And that kind of thing. But it's definitely one to watch, especially if you're at all, at all interested in following a lot of the awards contenders. Uh, I was actually just on the internet a little while ago. Michael Keaton won like the best actor award for like the Gotham Award, which was very fitting, I thought. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the film's getting nominated for Independent Spirit Awards and sure it'll be a big, um, contender coming up soon. And it's a very ambitious, bold film, kind of unlike, uh, pretty much anything else out there. And if that doesn't work for you and you don't want to watch Birdman, Seth MacFarlane has his new Christmas album now. <laughs> so you can check that out. It's called Holiday for Swing. And it's actually, if you're in it at all into like the old big band 1940s, like uh, Frank Sinatra era type music, it's it's a lot of fun. And um, for those for those people that only know him from things like Ted and Family Guy, he, he's got a really good voice. You just have to. It's weird though because sometimes <clears throat> you just close your eyes and you're like, it sounds like Brian Griffin is singing it. To listen to the Christmas song. <laughs> it's like Brian Griffin is singing a Christmas song. Yeah, I mean that that trailer for Birdman looks. Oh, is it the one where insane? Yeah, it looks. I, that slow it does look like he's crazy. It's, it's according to the trailer. <laughs> it's an interesting movie. I mean, I would definitely check Michael it out. Michael Keaton looks like he gives a great performance. Yeah, yeah, in movie, yeah. So yeah, this uh, concludes this podcast. All right, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> this has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. C R O O K E D.